the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck.
Thanks for tuning in The Antidote. I'm Dave Hawkins. You know, I love it when I'm surprised by a new band, especially when it's a local artist. But sometimes it's not actually a new band, and that's the case with tonight's guest, Last Chance Marie. Now, if you're confused by me saying that they're new, and then telling you that they're not new, I get that too. Because I was also kind of confused about the info I had about this punk band. That's when I knew that I needed to have Last Chance Marie frontman, Tayson Ingersoll, come in for a talk with me on The Antidote. This Belleville, Ontario-based four-piece outfit is outstanding, as you heard on the pair of tracks from their just-released album. We heard the title track, This Is Just Sound, along with Lemonade Stand. (laughs) Oh man, when was the last time you had kids serving you a lemonade? Anyway, there's lots more awesome music coming, like the song Get Me Out of Here, which airs right after this part of my talk with Tayson. Tayson Ingersoll handles the mic for Last Chance Marie. Thanks for coming to The Antidote, Tayson. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I always like to hear about new artists, but I think in your case I should be embarrassed because I'm a late comer to your band. I mean, here you are, you got great music, you're not new. And the thing is, you only live an hour away from me. So you got to tell me, why didn't I know about Last Chance Marie? You know, I think a lot of people would be in the same boat as you. Uh, we've been around a long time, since 2007 was when our band started. But uh, we had some trouble getting our, our debut release out, getting some music recorded. So, you know, as hard as you can work as a musician, when you don't have a record to put in people's hands, it kind of stunts how far your music is able to reach. So I think a lot of people would be in the same boat as you having not heard who we are until now. I've already mentioned that you're the vocalist for Last Chance, Marie. Who else is involved in the band? So the band consists of myself. I sing, I write the songs, and I play guitar. Uh, My best friend, Tim Chatson, I've known him since I was six years old. He he plays bass, does some background vocals. Uh, My other best friend, Josh Elliott, is on the rhythm guitar. He does background vocals as well. Um, On the recording, our latest release, uh, our drummer was uh, another one of my friends, Noah Zell. Um, He's not currently playing with us right now. Our our current drummer is Todd Barrage. He also recorded both of our releases. He's the producer from Borland Studios who recorded us, so he's drumming for us currently. Well, you already mentioned that the band started in 2007, but maybe you should give us the creation story. How and why did Last Chance Marie begin? Well, it began when I was in high school. I mean, even before I went into high school, I I mean, I started playing on the guitar when I was about eight years old. I didn't really learn what I was doing until I was about 12 or 13. Kind of the summer before I went into high school is when I figured out how to actually play songs, write songs, and I was pretty heavily into punk music, uh, listening to a lot of MXPX, um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I was determined when I went into high school that I was going to start a punk band. Uh, I just didn't know anybody else who played any instruments. So it took a couple years just to find the right people and find uh, skilled musicians that were willing to do it. But I always had a hard time kind of fitting in. I was never one to join any sports teams or kind of fit in in any of the clubs or cliques of high school. So part of it was 
the love of music, but also part of it was just, you know, creating a place where I did fit in. You know, I didn't really fit in anywhere else. So I'm going to start something new that I can fit in. So that's really what kind of inspired the, the start of the band. And were you seriously doing it at that point? Or was this just a fun thing to do? Uh, I definitely had huge aspirations. I mean, I think as a lot of uh, young musicians have of, you know, I want to tour the world. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, I think as you learn what the music industry really looks like and, you know, some of those ambitions get grounded. But for me, it was always a, a, a really serious thing of, uh, I want to take this as far as I can. I, I put a lot of work into these songs and a lot of work into uh, doing things professionally and a lot of work into promoting ourselves. And, you know, as much as it was for that sense of fun as well, um, I also took it seriously and take a lot of a lot of pride in what we do and always have. You know, when I heard your band name, Last Chance Marie, that rung a bell. And I couldn't figure it out, but then it finally clicked where I'd heard that. The Born Identity. Like, just before the car chase and Born asks Marie if she wants out. So, does this make you a film geek? It 100% does. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head on that one. What's funny about that is the Born Identity... It's not even one of my favorite movies. I don't, I don't dislike it by any means, but uh, just at the time, we had our first show booked, but we didn't have a name for our band, and we were trying to think up anything we could, and I happened to watch The Born Identity that weekend, and it just stuck out to me. It sounded really cool. I, I asked the other guys, and they all agreed on it. So, um, 
the other thing that we often get, there's a song by the band Children 18-3 called LCM, and the chorus sings Last Chance Marie, which I assume that song must be about the movie as well. So a lot of people ask us if we we were named after the song by Children 18-3, which we weren't. Uh, our band was actually named before that song came out. So um, <laughs> It's true, because that song, LCM, the entire song is just dialogue from the movie scene. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, the thing is now, why wouldn't you make that your theme song? You guys can cover it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when that song came out, I, I mean, I, I nearly lost it. I couldn't believe, you know, I just named my band this, you know, a year or so ago. And <laughs> here's this cool other punk band writing a song about it. I honestly, I debated changing the band name, uh, but I, I think I had a little bit of a celebrity crush on Lee Marie, uh, the bass player the, at the <laughs> time. And I was like, you know what? Maybe keeping my, my band named Last Chance Marie is the best chance I'm going to get with her. But obviously that didn't work out. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we stuck with the name we did. Were you crushed by that? <laughs> you know, I, I, I met her uh, at Cornerstone in 2011. Tim, our bassist, still makes fun of me for how embarrassing I was when I met her. <laughs> yeah, just starstruck, you know, total kid with a crush. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm married now and I'm over it, so. <laughs> Why don't we carry on with movie songs? The band's first release, the EP, Is It Well, includes the song Why Can't I Be Betty Davis. I don't know. I must be missing something. I just don't see how the actress fits into the lyrics. <laughs> uh, so that is actually a line of dialogue from the movie uh, P.S. I Love You, which is <laughs> okay. um, probably not a movie you were expecting me to say. Definitely a romantic movie. But um, this is kind of the connection, I guess. The character in the in the movie, she's just lost her husband and she's watching these old uh, romance movies starring Betty Davis and she's crying about it. She's upset just looking at this actress portraying these beautiful, wonderful lives on, on movie screens and crying about why can't I have this picture perfect life? I don't know. It was just kind of a quirky line of dialogue that stuck out to me. It kind of fits with the theme of the song uh, about, you know, just broken relationships, looking at other relationships and, and thinking, well, why can't I have that? Why am I going through uh, what I'm going through? So that's kind of the inspiration. But I would never expect anybody to, to put those two together. <laughs> you know, that's a sad song, you know, especially when it says dirty hands and guilty minds, constant burning deep inside, an already broken heart, been going downhill since the start. Is that describing you? Uh, at that point, in my life, yes. Yeah, it was describing uh, just some of the personal stuff I was going through at the time. But now it's all resolved because you found your lady. I have.
Even though she was a popular actress, I've never been much of a fan of Betty Davis. But if you do want to see one of her movies, watch Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. It's this creepy cult classic. Okay, so maybe I'm getting a little off track. Let's get into my talk with Tayson about a song you've probably sung a hundred times at church. Is it, well, is an interesting release because the title is phrased as a question, but the final song, Is It Well, is delivered as a statement. It's Last Chance Marie's version of the hymn. When the song begins, you guys play it traditionally, and then halfway through, you pull out all the stops. So I gotta know, did your version frighten anyone? <laughs> it, it absolutely has <laughs> frightened a few people. I remember performing it at the church I was going to a few years ago. 
uh, they'd asked me to lead worship and, you know, I just did it acoustic, but I still went just as hard vocally as I do, uh, in our recording of it. But a good thing to, to kind of bring up the title of that release and the whole idea behind covering the hymn was anytime I hear that hymn, you kind of sing it as a challenge because you're singing it is well as a statement, but it kind of makes you question in yourself, is it well? You know, I'm singing this, but is it really a reflection? Like, am I okay? And that's kind of why you have the two tracks at the end of the EP, is it well? Because it's like, you know, sometimes I'm not doing okay. The thematic thing we were kind of going for in doing that was being real with your emotions, being real with the things that you're going through. And, and those times when you're not okay, not pretending to not be okay, but uh, embracing the fact that you're not. And instead of letting that defeat you, you know, staring into the depth of the, you know, the pain or the, the situations that you're going through, the darkness that you're going through. And it's not okay, but I'm not going to be defeated by this because as dark and as scary and hard as the thing as I may be going through right now, commanding that I can get through this, not because uh, I'm pretending or ignoring the things that I'm going through, but because of who Jesus is in your life. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the statement they were trying to make with that release. When peace like a river attends my way When sorrow like sea billows roll Whatever my lot you have taught me to Pray. 
also makes me wonder about your songwriting. So when you're doing the songs, is it always coming from you from personal experience or is it just fiction? I'd, I'd say, I'd say yes. <laughs> it's, it's always inspired by things that I'm personally going through. Um, you know, some of them with songwriting, especially when you're dealing with, with relationship things, I want to be honest and expressive of the situation that I'm writing about, I want to be honest in my songwriting, but I also don't want to, you know, reveal too much information about, um, you know, some of the personal relationship stuff. So it's kind of just taking the feeling, the situation, and then, you know, maybe taking that creative liberty a bit farther, you know, than the the situation actually is. So I, I think with every every bit of uh, actual situations that we've written songs about. You know, sometimes you got to fill in the blanks a little bit just for the sake of creative clarity. Well, certainly with the music from Last Chance Marie, it does reflect that Christian worldview. This also leaves me wondering, like with Belleville or the area, has there been any naysayers, people that don't want to see somebody with a Christian worldview? There, there definitely has. You know, we prefer to play shows at secular venues with uh, other secular bands. You know, we don't distinguish ourselves between Christian music or secular music. We just consider ourselves another punk band playing music with other punk bands for punk fans. So, uh, but again, I am a follower of Jesus. So that stuff, that's always going to be in there. And there's always people who, uh, who aren't really accepting of that. And that's okay. But for the most part, as long as you're respectful, we have more people who aren't followers of Jesus that uh, like our music and and don't have a problem with with our beliefs, even though they may disagree, uh, than people who disagree. You know, we have had some trouble uh, maybe booking some shows in in secular venues that we would like to play um, because you know they might look at some of our our content and uh, make a judgment based on that. But usually you don't get an email back from somebody saying, we don't want to book you because you're too Christian. You just don't hear back from them. Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, you can, you can make assumptions as to, well, maybe they just didn't like kind of what we stand for, or maybe, you know, they just didn't like our music <laughs> and that's okay too. Well, a moment ago, you spoke about being at Cornerstone. Were you guys there to watch or were you there to play? We were there for both. Um, 
we went in 2011, which I believe was the second last year they ran. And I'd always wanted to, to go. That was the only year that I was able to, to go. And I figured, you know what, if I'm going to go to Cornerstone, I want it to be the full experience. Um, so I don't want to just go as a fan. I want to, I want to take my band and I want to, you know, we didn't, we didn't get on any of the main stages or anything, but we booked a few of the generator stages there and, mm-hmm. and played there. So we, we were there to watch, uh, we were there to play and, uh, we were there to get, you know, crazy sunburn like everybody else. <laughs> That's right. Pass out because of the heat. Yep, exactly. When we were there, you know, we had a tent and we had our van some of us were sleeping in the tent. Some of us were sleeping in the van. Uh, Tim, our bassist, Tim couldn't sleep in either because he found them too hot. And he he laid on the roof of the van because he just needed the fresh air. And all the, like, you know, dew and moisture would collect on him, like, throughout the night. And he found that the only way that he could get to sleep. Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous, ridiculous time. I'm Jason Ingersoll of Last Chance Marie, and you've found The Antidote. I talked about Betty Davis's creepy movie. White Castle is creepy too, as it talks about a horrible relationship. After the next part of the interview, we'll hear a song that also covers a creepy topic, Cotard Syndrome, a mental disorder in which people hold a delusional belief that they are dead. 
Now, the big story with Last Chance Murray is the length of time it took to release This Is Just Sound. Let's hear about that from Tayson. Punk is a fast style of music, but something that Last Chance Marie hasn't been fast with is recording. <laughs> and I love how the band has given the time frame for this new album, This Is Just Sound. And it said, started recording demos in 2007. Started recording the album officially in 2009. Started re-recording in 2014. Started re-re-recording in 2017. Finished in 2020. Released in 2021. You must have a big story about that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's certainly, certainly a big story. Yeah, the recordings that we uh, made in 2007... They were very much demos. Uh, I still have them. <laughs> They're not the greatest. Um, but we, we kind of didn't release them at the time just because um, we didn't felt like, you know, they really reflected how well we could kind of play. Uh, in 2009, we were approached by someone who was offering to do some recording for us for free because they saw that we didn't have any any recordings to uh, give to people. And, you know, that was the biggest thing that we were struggling with. We were... Uh, getting a lot of positive reception from our live shows. But again, like I said earlier, it's difficult to to kind of gain any traction when you don't, you know, when fans don't have something to to take home with them to listen to. And also it's difficult to get bookings, you know, when you're emailing people who have never heard you before. And their first question is always like, well, can you send us a recording of you? And uh, you know, when you're responding like, uh, no, I don't have any recordings, but you know, yeah. trust me, we're, we're really good. Like you kind of get thrown to the side. So that was the biggest thing we were struggling with. Uh, we started doing some recording in 2009 by this producer who had offered, uh, to do it for free. And the thing that I've learned through this process is there aren't really any shortcuts. And when, when somebody is offering you something like that for free, it does end up costing you something because if you're paying a producer to record for you, you've kind of entered into this contract where I've given you money for a product that you're going to return to me. But when it's just offered as a gift, there isn't really any sort of contract to say, I need this product by this time. It was extremely well-intentioned and it was a very uh, generous thing uh, that he was doing, but he didn't really understand how much time it was going to take him. Uh, he's a very busy producer. Uh, he wasn't able to commit as much time to the project as he, he thought. Um, I also think partly it was, I don't think he knew how good the songs were going to be and realizing like, oh, this is something that I want to put a lot of work into, but didn't have a lot of time to. And that just the, the project got stretched out so far where it was like, it was supposed to come out at one point in 2010 and uh, that got pushed to 2011, which got pushed to 2012. And, you know, at various points uh, he didn't have time to work on it. So kind of things just stopped and we didn't hear anything from him. And then it was, you know, trying to get back in touch with him. And, you know, that's why I started back re-recording in 2014. At a certain point, that version of the album with that producer, we had to make a decision of if we really want this album to come out, I don't think we can release this version because there's no guarantee that we're ever going to get these mixes. So 
in 2017, we decided to start from scratch uh, and we paid a producer, uh, Todd, who had recorded um, the Is It Well EP because we knew, you know, if we pay him and, you know, he did a great job on our first release, then we know that he's going to get it to us in a, in a timely fashion. So um, we decided to start from scratch. You know, there were some issues at the time. Todd, he went through some uh, kind of mental health struggles at the time and was going through some stuff which kind of prolonged the process a little bit but uh never for a second did we doubt that at that point once we'd started with him uh that the album was gonna gonna get made so really it was just (laughs) a test of patience and perseverance of you know what at a certain point once you've put so much work into something once you've waited so long it's like i just have to put as much work into this to get this out no matter how long it takes you know, when you've waited that long, it's a it's a question of, you know, is this worth it? You know, the time and the effort that I'm putting into it. And in my case, it absolutely was. Uh, it was, you know, extremely important to me that this album is available for people to listen to. It means a lot to me, and I, I hope it means a lot to other people, too. And now it's here. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
I'm interested now to hear what you really think about the songs on This Is Just Sound. I mean, it's been a long time since the album began. Is your mindset still the same as it was 14 years ago? Yeah, it it absolutely is. That's part of what's really cool about the album is I've played shows with a lot of different bands and seen a lot of bands come and go and seen a lot of those people start new bands and start new projects and abandon the songs that they were working on before and even have a degree of embarrassment about like, oh man, those songs that we wrote with this band weren't any good or, you know, we're really embarrassed by them. I never had that with our own music. Uh, I've always believed in in what, what we were writing. I've always believed in in the songs that we made. And all those times when we were working on the album throughout those years, uh, I would listen to it and some other songs would have a new meaning to me than they did before. Like a really great record that you listen to and uh, throughout the years that, that kind of holds up and you find new meaning in it as you, as you age and as you, as you grow. That's kind of the experience that I've had with our own album is, is just these songs still matter to me. They still reflect the things that I want to say. And yeah, I mean, if the songs that I wrote when I was, you know, 16 and 17 still mean as much to me when I'm 30, then I think, I think it's worth it to me to, to put them out into the world. That surprised me when you said that you were finding new meaning in songs you yourself had written. I mean, that just didn't even just seem to be possible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it kind of surprises me as well. <laughs> but uh, I think especially some of those songs were the earliest songs that I ever wrote. You know, I didn't have the same uh, songwriting ability then that I do now. You know, at the time, I was just writing what I felt and not necessarily putting as much thought into uh, what it was saying as a whole, retroactively looking at it and realizing this is what I was really trying to say. And especially knowing the things that I was going through at the time, I kind of feel like I have a bigger picture of, uh, of what the song itself is saying. This is just sound includes a track titled, this is a song, not a statement, but the song does make a statement about your faith. She never knew that he took a bloody nail to save her too. She's just a prayer away from destroying the sinning heart she's made. You and I both know that having a Christian message in your music can be a career crusher for a Canadian artist. You don't have any worries about that? Not at this point. Um, at a certain point with my music career, um, I'm just happy to be able to release music. I'm just happy uh, to be able to still be playing music uh, in the same band that I started when I was in high school. It doesn't matter to me so much what the industry itself thinks of what I do. You know, if, if one person thinks that you know, our music isn't worthwhile because it has a certain message to it, um, because music industry stuff, you know, comes and goes so quickly that at this point, <laughs> I know that I can just wait it out and uh, still be able to do what I'm doing, you know, when you've been in a band for 10 years. So... I don't really have any hesitations about putting any sort of message uh, of what I believe in our songs because I've always just tried to write honestly. And if I have to, if I have to write dishonestly to get a degree of success, I'm not sure the success is worth it.
have to say that I don't understand the song title. This is a song, not a statement. To me, every song makes a statement, even if it's just a fluffy love song. But as I said during my talk with Taysen, the song does give a statement about having faith in Christ. Next week on The Antidote, we move from an Ontario band to the American Midwest for an interview with the Des Moines, Iowa-based The August Guns. If you're a fan of alt-rock and post-hardcore, you're going to love what this band has to offer. Remember that you can find The Antidote each Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern through the facilities of Trent Radio, 92.7 FM, Peterborough, Ontario. If you live out west, The Antidote comes to the Effect Radio Network Saturdays at 10 p.m. Pacific. And if you're one of the lucky ones to live in Hawaii, tune in at 4 p.m. on all four Effect Radio stations. And of course, get us every day on the NRT Podcast Network. We do have more from Last Chance Marie. Let's get into that now, and from their new album, This Is Just Sound, we'll have Nobody Cares About Third Party Politics. See you next week. Nobody cares about third party politics. It brings in questions that people have asked forever. Where am I? Why can't I stay here? Where are you? Are you even there? Can you help me find a place in this world? Does this mean that Last Chance Marie is here to give the answers? Uh, we may not be here to give the answers. We're definitely here to pose the questions. Um, that song specifically, uh, I don't think I've ever actually told anybody this, but when I initially wrote it, my intention was to make every lyric in the song a question and then uh, have a follow-up song that would answer all those questions. That idea never really worked out, but the verses I kept. But I think that song really reflects a lot about the the confusion that a person has when they're growing up and trying to figure out their own identity, where they're asking those questions, uh, who am I? And, and not even just growing up, but just, you know, going through confusing situations, going through uh, difficult situations, and not necessarily having the answers to why you're going through what you're going through. You know, I hope that uh, in posing those questions, we can we can lead you to some sort of place of understanding. You know, we might not be able to, to give you an answer to every single one of those questions, but we can, uh, we can offer you some understanding that we know what you're going through. Well, I guess I've got a double question for you. Is there a future for the band, and how do people buy your music? There's definitely a future. Um, <laughs> there's definitely a future. Uh, we're actually working on a follow-up full-length uh, release as we speak. Um, oh, hang on, a follow-up, and you've just, just released this album. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. When it takes you 10 years to put out your first album, you know, you don't stop writing. You uh, you know, we've got tons of material that we still want to put out. So, um, yeah, we've got a full second album that we're, we're working on that I think is going to blow a lot of people's socks off. So we're working on that right now. Um, I'm not sure at what point that'll be ready. I've learned to not to not make any promises of when something's going to be released. Can you but, promise us within the next decade? Yeah, I <laughs> I definitely can tell you it will not take ten years. But um, <laughs> as far as purchasing our 
our music. Uh, it's available on iTunes. It's available to stream on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you like to stream stuff. Uh, it's available there. The best way uh, to support us is for you to purchase it on Bandcamp. Uh, you know, we get the most revenue from that. Uh, so our Bandcamp page is just lastchancemarie.bandcamp.com. We don't have physical copies printed up yet, but we're working on that right now. And those will be available on our Bandcamp page uh, soon, along with some other merch. Uh, and we're also working on putting together some live stream stuff. Uh, so people will be able to see a concert in at least some form. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way the world works right now. Unfortunately so. Tayson, I really appreciate you coming for this talk. And maybe lockdown will actually end one day and we'll be able to meet at one of your shows. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Dark and-